When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for finding us. Today, we're discussing album number 40 on Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 album list. This album is Forever Changes by Love. band called love <laughs> not the juliana theory album called love no and not all you need is love by the beatles nope nope just love just love can this be confession time yeah sure uh I, there might be a few of those uh, here uh, from both between the two of us um i hadn't even heard of this band yeah. Before we started this list, I think we've mentioned that before, have we not? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, I, we probably have. I just felt it was appropriate to say, <laughs> you know, double when, down. When you see, when you see something's the fortieth best, yeah, of something that you're interested in, like right. music. I'm into music, and this is the fortieth best. Yeah, I feel a little embarrassed that I've never even heard of the band, let alone the album yep. or any of the songs. So, um, for me, listening to this album. This was absolutely the rawest, the freshest, uh, the least I was familiar with anything we've listened to so far. Yeah. There was just a Baseball Hall of Fame induction by one of the weird fringe committees that they've added in the last few years. And they inducted a player named Ted Simmons. And I consider myself a big enough baseball fan that if a player's in the Hall of Fame, I should know them pretty much right away. I'd never heard of Ted Simmons. And I had that moment, same sort of thing, where I was like, how can this person be great if I've never heard of them? <laughs> or or maybe I'm just not as big a fan as maybe, I thought I was. Or maybe I'm just not as big a fan. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Or, or maybe I think this is applicable both to Ted Simmons and to this band Love. I have some bias in certain eras of music, certain styles of music, certain... Uh, you know, classification, genre, things like that, that that mean that I'm blind to a lot of the good music that's out there. Sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've had this really interesting journey with Love in the few weeks that we've been um, uh, listening to it in the lead up. Uh, Several weeks ago, I was like, hey, have you checked out this band yet? And you're like, no, 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 I'm trying to like hold off on it. I was like, it's really really interesting. Um, Yeah. And then later on, I was like, I, you know, I like the first track, but I'm not so sure about the neck, the rest of the stuff. Then all of a sudden, I start getting messages from you saying, "This is really good." And then I go back to it, <laughs> and I think, "Oh yeah, I completely overlooked the whole latter half of this album. There's some good stuff here." So it's been a really interesting. I feel like I've I've gone through seasons of change with this <laughs> in just the couple couple of weeks that we've really been listening to it as a lead up till tonight. 
changes forever. For, <laughs> changes forever. <laughs> well, well tied, neatly tied. Um, and that's so a wrap. Before we get <laughs> before we get too far into talking about it, which I'm excited to do. Did you have any preconceived notion or expectation whatsoever of what this would be like? I think it's changed every time I've learned something. Uh, some aspect about this, so I think probably no, one but of like f- before before you push play the first Zero. time, did you have any idea? Zero. Nothing. I'm and in it, the same. Other than you saying it's kind of hippy dippy, I think that was the only thing right. I knew about anything about this music, which is yeah. like kind of rare mm-hmm. at this point in the game for either of us that we yeah. would put some music on. So that's kind of special, yep. in of itself. Absolutely. And I think that every time I learn something before even pressing play, you know, in the um, spreadsheet that we go off of, you can see the year. So 1967, that gave me a sense of, like, oh, wow, it's in this like really stacked era. Okay, probably fits with that sort of, um, you know, evolving musical style. Then I saw the cover probably even before I'd heard the music and thought, whoa, it's kind of this like vibrant, multicolored uh, face mixture of faces. And that yeah. gave me a sense like, oh man, it might, maybe it's a little experimental. And then pressing play led me to a whole other kind of like, oh man, this yeah. is, must be something else entirely. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it'll be interesting to to walk through this here this evening. Should we dive right into details? I think last yeah, I week's think... episode took us about an hour to get to the details portion. <laughs> and uh, it feels somewhat premature here, uh, just five minutes in to, to well, get the details, I... but... I think it's important to kind of set the stage as to who this band is and what the yeah. album was and when it came out. But uh, uh, I, I would say, just to echo yours, I again, I had I had no idea what would happen when I pushed play. I, I think, again, I kind of paused for just a moment before I pushed play, like... I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> like it could be, yeah. it could be anything. It could be a bunch of guys barking or screaming for half an hour. It could be, who knows? You know. Yeah. But again, I think I think the last really time I felt like this was with Velvet Underground. Right. Where I just had I had no I, I even at least that I had seen the cover and heard of the band. I just right. didn't wasn't right. familiar with any of the music. This I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah, let's do some details. Details, 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 details. Uh, so this album was released November first, nineteen sixty-seven, and this was their third studio album. This actually their third album in just two years. Their first two were in sixty-six. And I think they kind of did them both together. But this was their third album. And was written uh, in majority by Arthur Lee, except for Alone Again Or and Old Man, which were written by Brian McLean. This did chart. It charted, uh, went to number 154 on Billboard in the U.S. and number 24 in the U.K., which is interesting because they are an American band. Yeah. Um, They're from... uh, San Francisco area, Bay Area kind of groove, I think, happening. We've seen that uh, the reverse happen with the Rolling Stones, I think, where they charted higher in the U.S. as a U.K. band than they right. did at home. And yeah, a few a few bands that did very well. Jimmy did very well in the in the yeah in the U.K. Um, yeah, so yeah, very interesting. Um, I can't find anything for sales, but I have read that you know it was not 
it, it was it did not do well. It was not commercially successful, and it's one of these albums that over the years has has done well and has had people just really holding on to it, saying it was one that I loved growing up with, or other musicians and people in the industry saying it's such an important album to me. Yeah, but not necessarily one that sold millions of copies. Right. So a, a really, a, I think a really interesting historical point is that. Love was one of the first racially diverse American bands, or I would say, uh, I would add to that and say, one of the first uh, multi-racial like rock bands. You know, we had yeah. some other bands, like and I think think of some of the big bands and some of the jazz bands. You know, would have would have blended, but everything else was you know just one or the other. It was right, it was right. still very, and certainly I think most rock music was still just all white. For the yeah, most part, popular music in general, yeah. I think, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Some artists like uh, uh, James Brown, we talked about, were starting to break in you know, the mid '60s, starting to break through into the quote the white audience. Yeah. Breaking out of that kind of um, very segregated, segregated radio and underground. It's not underground, but but scene that was just really blacks only. Yeah. Um, because they didn't have a place where their music could be not in the mainstream. So they created their own scene. Uh, yeah. But this, um, but then he was trying to break through. So that, but this is one of the first um, multiracial bands. It's really not that common even today, really to have uh, a mixed race band. I mean, I think about, you know, when we were in high school, Hootie and the Blowfish kind of made some waves as having, you know, a, a more diverse, yeah. um, makeup and yeah i guess I, I i guess you're right yeah it happens occasionally you know it's we're not it's not never happening but um i think there is still some segregation's the wrong word but but some uh lack of of uh, <laughs> cultural blending i guess maybe in 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 pop okay. music i think i think that's fair yeah and we definitely heard this when we listened to music but they they blended many different sources you hear all sorts of different influences from folk rock hard rock blues jazz flamenco uh, mariachi and orchestral pop and definitely i hear all of those things yeah. when i listen to this album like sometimes you read a list and you go ah well that's a bit of a stretch no i definitely <laughs> hear all i hear those things maybe not hard rock but <laughs> but right. all the other right. things for sure we've talked about this a couple times in colin larkin's all-time 1000 albums uh, which i recently purchased this is number 12 um wow. so yeah so we're talking about number 40 but this is number 12 and i mean that's significant uh do you mind if i read you what it says here in this book oh it's go a ahead small I'll, paragraph I'll it. yeah for anybody not familiar with this record it is unconditionally recommended as one of the finest albums ever the continuing deep affection for this gem is no fluke. Its universal appeal to rock critics earns its position even though total sales have yet to exceed a million. The enigmatic Arthur Lee created the perfect hippie album with joyous acoustic melody, strings, and occasional biting guitars. The paradox was for Lee to sing a line such as, Oh, the snot has caked again my pants, it has turned into crystal, and for it to sound absolutely right and sincere. The equally arresting Alone Again Or features the line, I could be in love with almost everyone, yet it somehow avoids sounding like a hippie cliche. Huh. So that's what that's what's written in Colin Larkin's book, and I think that kind of captures 
again, the, I think the word gem is very appropriate. That kind of hidden thing that a lot of people don't know about. But when you hear it, you go, oh, I could see why a lot of people really, really like this. And it, it made me ask the question, Ben, why do some things become popular and successful and some things don't? Yeah. And, and we, you know, I, I think you could give a few explanations, but really there's no reason. Like, this is good music. Like, it is very good music. It is um, good music, but I think it has taken me a couple of listens to really start to appreciate it. It's not music that the first time through I thought, oh, wow, this is exceptional. Um, but in 1967, does it not fit with so much of what was happening musically? Like, yeah. it's not like it's out of place. It's not out of place in 67 at all. No, except that for the music that lasted out of the 60s, I think that the bands that rose beyond that decade tended to have mm-hmm. more instant hook kind of appeal. Um, That's we've, fair. we've lost yep. a lot of the sort of hippie, swirly colors sure. music and yep. the and I think the ones that were able to buy into more of a, of a radio hook kind of um, song structure, I think have, have, uh, have been the ones that have done a better job at holding their place in cultural relevancy. So I understand, I, I know that this is good music and I can acknowledge it as some of the best music of that era, but I think um, it's, mm, complicated is the wrong word but i think it takes some intentionality to really appreciate it in a way that sure that probably prevents yep. it from being something that was easily digestible by the people listening. yeah and there's obviously lots of reasons i'm just yeah yeah wondering you know in, in, i ask myself even what what is the reason yep um but it was good enough to be added to the library of congress's national recording registry in 2011 uh which is not nothing something uh and it was something for sure (laughs) um so love is one of those bands that even to this day i believe has a touring group uh it may only contain one of the original members uh and he may even just be a consultant and i think that's brian mclean okay um actually several of them have passed but this was the last, the third and last album to contain this lineup. But I think this is the original lineup or close to the original lineup. Arthur Lee on uh, lead vocals and guitar. Brian McLean, uh, rhythm guitar, vocals, and lead vocals on uh, Old Man. And he joins in on Alone Again Or. And I think those are that's at least one of the songs he helped write. Uh, Johnny Eccles, lead guitar. Ken Forsey, bass guitar. And Michael Stewart wear drums and percussion. I don't usually read the names of the artists out, but I find it interesting too. Have you heard of any of these guys before? No. And you probably wouldn't because they really didn't do anything after this. And a lot of bands we've heard about, or even other bands, you know, maybe there's one guy who went on yes. to, you know, continue to do stuff or, or, somebody who had been in something before or two guys formed another band or something you know but this is like this was i don't want to say a one and done because they did do other things but in terms of something that's latched on at least to a portion of the population like this is it yeah and and like i said a, a few of them a few of them have passed two or three of them i think are already gone 
uh, much too early, I believe. I think that's a great point. I think so many of those late 60s um, stars ended up becoming the early, mid-70s supergroups. For sure. Absolutely. Evolved into project after project to have, uh, you know, depending on who's making the list, one of the greatest albums of all time have... uh, these artists that just kind of drift into into obscurity. It's really interesting. Uh, before we move on, and one thing uh, that we haven't talked about in a while, but I believe this is another appearance of the Wrecking Crew. Oh, interesting. Do you remember the Wrecking Crew? Oh, yeah. I think you're the yeah. one who brought it up. Yeah. Um, I believe we talked about it when way back in episode number two when we talked about pet sounds by the beach boys and how there was this group of musicians that just were known as being the session musicians you got you know in southern california if you were making an album if you needed you know additional musicians and it looks like yeah so they i don't think they were in the whole album but they definitely participated in a few some of the bigger songs okay okay so the band love was struggling with arthur lee's uh, arrangements and they and they were have there was a lot of internal conflicts trying to figure out because as you had alluded to already ben this is a, a fairly complicated album like the music is not simple yeah. and the song structures are not simple and there's a lot of different parts yep. and different instrumentation there's a lot going on so the producer bruce botnick got these other musicians to come from the wrecking crew to kind of persuade and i think encourage uh, the band to work with Lee so it's almost like he brought in sort of <laughs> not that Love wasn't, were not professionals but kind of really seasoned veterans <laughs> at recording to come in and, and kind of help them go okay yeah. like, we, you can make this music like we can do this music I, I'm paraphrasing all this of course but it seems yeah. that that's the kind of the story there why he brought them in you can see the challenge there. Like you don't want to bring in another band when you've already got a band, <laughs> but um, he saw that it would be a tactic to kind of bring everyone together and show them, you know, maybe even teach them a few things perhaps. So kind of interesting, but yeah, again, the wrecking crew. And, and I believe there's a, if you haven't heard of them, not familiar, there is a documentary you can, you can watch on the wrecking crew yeah. and all the albums and all the music they're involved with in the sixties. Uh, kind of cool. Um, I think that's very fitting uh, for the just to hear the sound, how much sound there is in music. It's yeah. a lot. Um, and we talked about Tapestry, and this is, this is another one where there was, you know, there's five in the band, but there's another, probably another 20 if you include all the all the string instruments, all the horn instruments. There's a lot of people involved, yeah. uh, including uh, the person who helped arrange the song The Daily Planet, Mr. Neil Young. Wow, uh, which would be, content. yeah, which would be, I guess, you know, uh, his first appearance on this list. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so so there you go. So again, a lot of a lot of connections here um, with other things happening in the music scene. And I think that if you were to ask anyone in the music scene in the '60s, late '60s, like they definitely would know this band. Uh, it's just that we don't. You know, we were that step removed from it yeah you've already mentioned this beautiful cover art yeah and this this again is obviously one that i was not familiar with but so interesting it's a white background uh in the top 
left corner, there's a drawing of the word love and kind of probably a special band font. And there's a, a gray outline square around the whole thing. And in the bottom right corner, it says forever changes, but it's wrapped around the corner. Kind of like that. And then in the middle is a drawing of all five of the band members' faces kind of all swirling together with these colors, a lot of pink and purple and blue. There's some yellow and green and orange as well, but I really see the blues and purples uh, really coming out in this. Ben, does this uh, drawing, does this art kind of make a statement to you? I mean, it, it fits quite nicely uh, with the psychedelic movement San Francisco late 60s scene. Sure. Uh, I don't know that I see much more of a statement beyond that, although the, the faces all sort of blending together does have a sort of oneness or you know sense that we're all part of some deeper humanity or something like that um, well I liked that that all the faces had colors yeah you know they were all uh, they all have different colors on them and it's not you know these people are white and these people are black or it's all we don't see who they are like I, I like that they're all it, it's almost saying like the color doesn't matter and I think that's uh, a significant statement to make at, at that time. I think that's um, true. We, we've we've heard that for decades, and we teach that to our kids, and that but that wasn't always the case, um, you know, in general. And and I think this is kind of fits with the the vibe at the time too. Like you know, just we're all people, love everyone, that sort of uh, movement of peace as well. And you hear you hear a lot of that in the songs too so that's that's kind of what i pulled out of it the um <laughs> the cover was designed by a guy named bob pepper which is a great name um <laughs> he uh he apparently was a fan of 60s rock bands and uh didn't like the band love at all um uh, but he oh. <laughs> he really liked to um draw in the sort of uh, art deco art nouveau style of the time and into psychedelic art mm. as well and thought well if they're just going to give me free reign to, to do something like this i'll uh i'll take on the project um hmm. and he had found i guess pictures of each of the members and sort of com combined them based on those those photographs that he had right and apparently it was originally used as a billboard announcement um, somewhere along the, the strip I guess in in uh, Las Vegas announcing the third coming of love and uh, <laughs> they they liked that sort of advertisement uh, imagery so much that they decided oh that'll actually be our album cover as well so um, nice yeah, I guess if a band asks you to draw something for them you never know what it might be used for and my eyes keep playing tricks on me because it almost almost looks like the shape of the con continent of africa um oh yeah you're right yeah but but i don't think that's intentional and and i think the one guy's chin is kind of the western coast there so where ghana is but if it was a little higher and stuck out a little further it would, but uh i think that's just me kind of my my mind playing games but i almost felt like i saw that at one point yeah but i don't think that's i don't think 
I think that's maybe a stretch, but I keep I keep kind of wait. Is it maybe if I just turn my head this way? But no, I think that's just me. <laughs> There's one um, really interesting artistic note on this cover. All the images are very stoic, uh, except for the sort of lower, the lowest figure, the sort of chin that juts out the bottom, almost as yeah. a Cheshire cat-like smile. If you look at the original yes. artwork that was on the billboard, that smile was not there. He was also stoic. Oh. And um, someone in the, the record company decided it just didn't look happy enough, I guess, and sort of <laughs> added in that, that uh, white... Uh, I guess they're just lips, but they, it makes it almost look like a toothy smile. Teeth. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess it could be lips. You're right. Yeah. I thought it was teeth. Much to the artist's chagrin, it was not the sort of sober, uh, <laughs> overall look that he was originally going for. So, um, I don't know that it, you know, it does, it still fits very nicely with the, uh, sounds of the album and the things like that. But, um, there's, there's a couple of examples out there online where you can compare the original artwork to the cover design and, and see the subtle differences, including the mouth at the bottom. Cool. Yep. Very cool. Ready for tracks? Sure. Let's go for it. Some good names here. Uh, even yeah. though we've only got 11 tracks, <laughs> it's going to take a while to get through a few of these. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, probably more words in a track listing than we've ever done. Yeah, maybe. 11 tracks. Back to that familiar 45-ish yep. minute 11 tracks. That's right. Album. 11 tracks. Uh, side one is Alone Again or. A House is Not a Motel. At my house I've got no shackles. You can come and look if you want. And more again. And if you see and more again. Then you will know and more again. The Daily Planet. In the morning we arise and start the day the same old way as yesterday. Old Man. I once knew a man, been everywhere in the world. Gave me a the Red Telephone. Sitting on a hillside, watching all the people. Die. That's side one, and side two starts with deep breath. <laughs> maybe the maybe the people would be the times or between Clark and Hilldale. What is happening and how have you been? <laughs> That's one. That's one track. <laughs> live and let live. Oh, the snot has caked against my pants. Into the good humor man, he sees everything like this. Bummer in the summer. And the album closes out with You Set the Scene. Uh, a couple notes there before we start. Um, the third track and more again. That's all one word. Yeah. And really reading the lyrics, that's it's a name. It's, she's a person. Yeah. Which is interesting. And then uh, funny that old man, which is also a very famous Neil Young song, comes after the song that he 
helped arrange yeah, the Daily too. Planet. <laughs> There's also this really interesting, um, if I look at these names all in a vacuum, they all kind of make me think of superhero stuff. The Daily Planet, oh. <laughs> uh, I think, is That's a, what I thought. There's a, Superman. Yeah, the Red Telephone. I don't know if there's a Red Telephone or anything, but just that title itself kind of makes oh. me think of something. Again, Superman. You know, in the telephone booth. Oh sure, yeah. The um, yeah, well, Batman. The Bat Phone was red. Right. Live and Let Live. I guess kind of goes to a Live and Let Die. Uh, more of a Bond uh, kind of James thing Bond. Too. Yeah. Um, and and even I don't know. Even things like. Between Clark and Hildale, kind of, uh, maybe it's Clark Kent. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's some quite a few things here where I think like that. A lot of these would be uh, good comic book titles or something like that, or, or maybe Hardy Boys titles or something like that. Um, or have you just been watching a lot of superhero movies? <laughs> maybe thanks Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other note I wanted to say on the the track names is that this is another album where y- you read those lists. Of songs, and I, I wasn't necessarily taken to a particular sound yeah, in my head. That has been a challenge with this for me too. Connecting the dots with what track I enjoy with the actual title of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I find there are a few tracks that are similar to other ones, like maybe a few pairs or or even sure. triplets, where there's like, well, this one reminds me a lot of this other one. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. There's a lot of them I really like, but but it does make it kind of hard um, to distinguish them when just listing the names. Do you want to start? What what tracks do you like? I feel like I need to put some caveats on this before I begin because I really do <laughs> like this album, um, but I I find myself uh, as I go through it being really in love with certain tracks and feeling fairly indifferent about others um there are six tracks that i that i think really rise to the top for me uh the the opening track alone again or which i think actually i had heard before hearing this album really i think because it often came on by it, it was a spotify selection after some of the other oh, okay. late 60s albums that we've tackled. Um, sure. And so that was the only one that I had any sense of familiarity with. But I really liked that opening track. Uh, the Daily Planet, um, which I now know to be a Neil Young-assisted <laughs> song. Uh, mm-hmm. The Red Telephone. Uh, maybe the people would be da 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 uh, Live and Let Live. <laughs> and The Good Humor Man. Um uh, those are the tracks that, for me, are really exceptional and worthy of, of this being one of the greatest albums of all times. The the rest of the songs, I, you know, I kind of could live without. And I, I don't mean that to say that they're not good. And I also am realizing, even in the midst of saying this, that my first time through, I felt fairly indifferent about all the tracks. And after a few weeks... Okay these six have really risen up so it may be that sure you know a couple more weeks of listening and i'd really be in love with the entire thing (laughs) i don't know it may just be that they need a bit more time uh to sink in but uh Hmm. uh yeah so i'm i don't know what to do with this one um because of that dynamic and as i was sort of navigating that i was thinking this week first of the velvet underground you already mentioned as you know another band that we were fairly unfamiliar with um, 
But at the time, at at the time that we went through the Velvet Underground and Nico, I remember thinking, you know, that sometimes this feels like it's experimental, just for the sake of being experimental, and not because it actually works all that well. And there are a few times on this album where I feel the same. Like these are eleven good tracks, but I think, you know, six of them really execute exceptionally, and five of them. Uh, you know, maybe go back to the drawing board. <laughs> uh, at least, at least for me, in my mind, um, I, I think I felt like that at times with a couple of other albums that we've gone through. But there have also been some, like um, John Lennon's Plastic Ono Band, where I really didn't care mm. much for it at all initially, and it just kept growing and growing on me too. So, right, um, maybe I'm just in a middle phase right now with this album where. Uh, it's starting to win me over and I haven't quite fully let it <laughs> uh, wrap me up quite yet. But, um, that's that's where I am. Uh, if I had to sort of say which ones are my very favorites, I, I really do like the um, the good humor man. He sees everything like this. There's something about the, the string arrangement in the way that it moves up and down the scale that just gets so stuck in my head. Like I've woken up in the middle of the night the last uh, few weeks, a, f- a few times with that refrain of sort of climbing and descending the scale with that plucking uh, refrain from the good humor man in my head uh, in a sort of haunting way that I, <laughs> I'm, I'm really drawn to. Well, I, I want to transition there because... There were a lot of moments on this album that reminded me of a lot of other things. And I Uh. think that's significant because the things that it reminded me of are all things that came after this album. Interesting. I think that's significant because it's possible that this is one of those albums that a lot of musicians had that has influenced over the year or influenced things that then influenced something else you know, five steps away from it. So yeah, uh, the good humor man, when I hear the beginning of good humor man and when he starts singing, I immediately was thinking of Jim Croce's photographs and memories, because that's another guy I've been listening to a lot in the last few months. And I was getting a lot of that feeling throughout the album, Jim Croce, Cat Stevens uh, with a lot of the acoustic guitar work and not some of the big orchestral parts, but a lot of that, so um, I was hearing a lot of other things. Uh, I'll talk about a couple of my favorite things and then some things in general. Um, first, I will say I had the challenge that you had in a lot of it being similar and not always knowing what was what. If I came into it or left the room and came back, kind of, wait, is this the same song? Is this a different song? There's some similarities, but I think there's a lot of things they do really well. But even as you were mentioning songs, I kind of had to click play on them to think, oh, wait, how does that one go? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do really like that one. You know, like it's just kind of a lot of it's similar. And I think, too, is I'm not familiar with the band. We're not familiar with the music yet. So it's still taking some time to really get it ingrained in as opposed to a stone, a stone song that you've heard like 500 times over the years because it's just played all the time. That's right. Um, You just know how it goes and you know, oh, yeah, I know that that's, you know, Tumble and Dice because I've heard it a hundred (laughs) times. The song that's been stuck in my head the most and is probably one of my favorites is And More Again. It's softer than the other ones, yet there's 
it's really interesting. He really, I think, lets his voice go a lot in that one too, um, and really, he's got a dramatic voice. I think sometimes he loses a little control in it. Yeah. But in that song, he seems to let it, let the control go, and it's a, a nice dynamic because it's a, it's a pretty song. Um, so that one's kind of been playing over in my head when I wake up in the morning. Um, I really like the guitar work, the, the finger picking, the flamenco style, and a lot of them is really nice. Um, and uh, the vocals, you know, he has a strong lead vocal, and the vocals are interesting. There are times I wish they were a little more polished. I feel like if this guy maybe had a little more training, and I, and I mean, this is, this is, you know, me sitting in my chair saying this, like... <laughs> They were producing some pretty awesome music, you know, for the third album in a time when a ton of music was coming out. And he definitely has some vocal skill. But I could see that, you know, with a little more experience, he could really, really have a great voice. And there were times when I kind of went, oh, that's a little off, you know. But <laughs> all in all, I, I did really like it. I think he definitely has something. There's a laziness to his voice that um, I think fits with the uh, sort of flower child 60s movement that you know it's not so much about hitting the notes necessarily but sort of the yeah. meandering journey to get there that I think we now hear as like <laughs> poorly done or poorly executed uh, but uh, I wonder sometimes if it's an, an intentional way to to um, demonstrate a sense of the vibe that he's going for I, I don't know I have uh, I have two children and sometimes I I describe them, compare them, that the one is very task and detail oriented and the other is very experientially oriented. Yeah. So, you know, we're here to do this specific thing and this task and we're, the goal is to get to the end opposed to, you know, versus uh, we're just here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to enjoy doing, we're, we're just going to do whatever we're doing here, you know, yeah. and that the latter is definitely how I hear his <laughs> voice. Like, you know, we're, we're here and, yeah. you know, and here's, and here's this line and yep. we're going to do this line and it's going to be cool, man. You know, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as opposed, as opposed to, it's got to be right on this and perfect pitch. And, you know, this, like it's, you know, and that fits in with the, again, the vibe of the, the time. I, I'm just I've got bummer in the summer in my headphones right now and the way he <laughs> the way he uses his voice uh, as another instrument in that song I think yeah he does that a lot on this album but in, in that song in particular it's almost like this sort of um, uh, snare drum rat-a-tat kind of uh, uh, way of singing yep. along and uh, absolutely you, great rhythm you can tell it's an intentionality uh, that changes with each song. Um, as if it's a guitar part or something that's being being done a different way. He's not doing the same thing on every track. When I first heard it, I uh, I almost thought, well, this is this is almost like early, you know, hip hop. Like this is this is uh, you know very rhythmic. But then I, I listened to it again. I was like, well, this is kind of you know this is Dylan as well. Like yeah. Dylan was doing this sort of thing earlier in the '60s. So you know, again, just because somebody doesn't sing it and speaks it doesn't mean it's hip-hop but i but i heard kind of just that rhythmic sort of thing yep. that again that feel it was really really neat touch i really liked it i love the guitar in that one too um there's a few more other things that kind of just automatically was thinking of at different times have you heard beck's album morning phase i have not no you, uh, first of all, you really need to check out Morning Phase. Make sure it, you know, if you're really wanting a lot of like energy, you want to clean the whole house, 
that's not when you listen to it. <laughs> but if you're just kind of, <laughs> um, but if you're just kind of chilling, you know, you're folding laundry or you're, you know, maybe working on your on something, typing something out, and just want to relax, put on Morning Phase. Okay. It's really neat, really really neat album. Very chill. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not Odalay or Midnight Vultures or anything like that. It's very very chill. More okay. like Sea Sea Change. So a, a lot of that, especially a, a song like Old Man on this album, remind me of stuff on Morning Phase. Okay. Um, uh, there was sometimes, I don't know if one part of one song reminds you of one part of another song, but I was listening to uh, Live and Let Live, and uh, there's a pre-chorus, uh, something like that. And I kept thinking of... Um, a Frank Zappa song called Peaches on Regalia, <laughs> which is like, I'm not even really a Frank Zappa song, uh, a Frank Zappa fan. And I kept thinking in my head, like, that it's this other song. I had to go listen to that. And <laughs> the songs themselves don't really sound alike, but just that one part has the same line. Um, huh. And then um, there's horns. The last song of the album, which I think is a great song, You Set the Scene. There's horns in it that are like ba 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 ba. I kept thinking of the Rocky theme. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's got da, 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 you know that kind of thing. Like you know, <laughs> so it's like it wasn't that the whole album was like any one thing, but I kept hearing little hints of other things, and again, things that all came after. Um, and I don't think I've really felt that way in so many different ways listening to other albums and almost i wonder if i was reaching i was trying to figure out what this album sounds like what is this music like because i can't place it anywhere Uh, i'm not familiar with it it's not really specifically rock or specifically folk or it it's a lot of different things as we mentioned all the different influences so maybe i was trying to find things but whether i was trying or not it just kept happening all these different yeah. things i was hearing so yeah uh there uh you listeners there's a bunch of things for you to google on youtube uh, yeah <laughs> i might put a few clips in but i might not get everything in there i don't know how how much people want to listen to frank zappa on our <laughs> podcast but maybe there's probably a few people who do the one uh, artist that kept coming back to my mind uh, that we've already tackled is um van morrison's uh, album that okay yeah Astro Weeks uh, Astro Weeks yeah thanks <clears throat> I think in the sort of orchestration that it really is mm-hmm. uh, almost like a movie soundtrack kind of uh, yes it's very orchestral sweeping at times and uh, and a lot of emotion building through uh, through strings and 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 other woodwind instruments that aren't normally found on a, a rock album um, and I think. I think the intentionality of different kinds of movement changes on both of those albums on Astral Weeks and Forever Changes that um, don't fit a normal pop song kind of formula. (laughs) Uh, Right. uh, Bigger than that, I guess, in some ways. For sure. Um, My mind kept going there with this one. Yeah, and again, I I think they're just, they're drawing from a lot of different places. I think a lot of people drew from them. And I just heard a lot of different things. Um, but, and then that's a positive note. Um, it was cool to kind of hear different things in this. Because, again, as I've mentioned many times, but I want to say it again, there is a lot happening on this album. That's not always a positive thing for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but if, if, you're, if you're 
a musician or a fan of you know uh, music that's fairly in depth, I, I think this is worth a shot. I think you might really have something that you enjoy if you haven't heard this before. I think that's right. It's, um, again, it, it doesn't have the hooks or the catches. It, it really doesn't. Um, and and that's why you know we'd ask why wasn't this popular. I mean, what songs would you put on the radio, Ben? I, I'm not even right. sure what I would put on the radio. And, and maybe no. different in 1967, but but I, I'm not sure what I would put on the radio. You know, uh, it's just not necessarily that kind of music. I think that's right. the The first track, I think, um, I don't know. It's got kind of that Spanish flair. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Almost reminded. flamenco feel. Flamenco, yeah. Or, uh, uh, the Gypsy Kings, maybe something along that line. Sure, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that little refrain there, right before they start over again, I don't even know what they're saying. But that that kind of hook does make yeah. me think of a, yeah. <laughs> a radio hit. Yep. Um, and it's short enough too, at, at just over three minutes. That that's maybe the only track where I can think. Uh, you know, might might have made sense as a single, but you're right. This is an album mostly of constructed songs to to be savored, not necessarily to be catchy hooks. The the one song that that reminded me of, and I had to look it up, but I had heard I, they used to play it. Um, Q107 in Toronto used to play a lot more 60s rock. They don't play; they play a lot more 80s rock now than they used to but there's a song by Procol Harum called Conquistador I don't know if you've heard it um, and it has a lot of like that that guitar almost flamenco gypsy kings and trumpet oh, okay um, and that this was this song was reminded me of that song and if you listen to that huh. later you probably hear some similarities there too again another thing it's just like well that sounds like that and that sounds like this <laughs> kind of kind of cool but yeah I, I would agree with you I think that or and more again I think might be might be single worthy and there's a couple others but there's just there's just so much happening in them i could see it not being as popular in the mainstream so given that we've said there's not really uh radio songs here so what song would you pick for our spotify playlist i think i've gone first a lot lately do you want to take the first crack here at, at picking one? Oh, well thank you very much <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> how very very kind you know there's there's a lot i think the one and sometimes i've said you know I pick the one that I want people to hear. I, I want people to hear and more again. I think that's just got, um, again, his voice is really interesting. It, it's got a lot of the other things that we hear on the rest of the album. It's not quite as orchestral as some of them. It's not as big as some of them, but it yeah. is very pretty. So okay. that's the one I choose and, and more again. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to stick with the one that's been in my head the most lately. I, uh, you know, a week ago I would have said alone again, or cause it was really the only song that was standing out for me, but, but, uh, the good humor man, he sees everything like this is the one that I think, uh, sure. I will add. Yep. That will be mine. So you wanted, uh, and more again, and it's and more again, and I'll go with the good humor man. I thought maybe uh, you were going to pick Live and Let Live because we haven't got the word snot uh, <laughs> into our playlist yet. That's right. I can't think of any song I've ever heard or read before that has the word <laughs> snot in the lyric. So that's a very special thing. Uh, the snot has caked against my pants. <laughs> it's great. I can't even try to figure out. My, my wife works with preschoolers. Yeah. 
income and runs a preschool program with up to 40 preschoolers every morning. And I let her listen to this and read to the lyrics. I said, you could probably really relate to this. I mean, this is probably <laughs> happens. How many times have you come home and, and said like, oh, I got to change, you know, I Crystallized not streaks. <laughs> Kids come up to me and hug me and just wipe their dirty noses all over me. Right. I'm like, uh, but I don't, I think he's referring to something else. Um, <laughs> we talked about some of the challenges with this album in terms of, you know, is it radio worthy? Is it easy to remember? So is it relevant? We've seen how it can influence over time. And some musicians have said that it has, but is the music relevant today? Uh, I don't think so. I think there's some really interesting stuff here to consider. And if, if I had some friends who were getting into sort of more experimental sounds, I think this would be an important album for them to chew on <laughs> for a while. Um, yeah. It doesn't strike me as music that would be made today, at least not in the sort of pop. Uh, uh, not not in this way. Here. No, I don't think so. Maybe on a, a fringe side stage of some summer music festival. <laughs> um, but... But no, I think its relevancy is more about its place in the late 60s and less about really feeling like it's held up through time. Yeah, I, I agree. I I like the music. I think it's good, but it really feels stuck in the late 60s. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think you can separate it from all the, the kind of the tropey sounds of that time. And again, right. I don't say that to say that it sounds bad or cheesy or cliche. It doesn't. It's good music, but it's one of those ones where we say, "Oh, we can, we can, you can listen to it and pinpoint almost the exact year where it came from because of the different things that are happening." Again, it does a lot of things on this album. There are a lot of things going on. They do a lot of different things, but I think in general, I hear that time. So I, I don't really see this directly influencing any music today. I think indirectly and over time, yes. Um, and maybe influencing something that influenced something that influenced something today, but not <laughs> not di- not directly. And again, yeah. I don't say that to be negative. I just don't I just don't see that. Yep. Um, and I don't see you know the different styles of popular music today. Um, and even when we talked about like Muddy Waters, well, if you're playing blues music today, you're definitely listening to Muddy Waters and 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 drawing directly from some of that stuff for sure. I can't think of the kind the genre of music you'd make today that you would listen to this unless you were making yeah. something that sounded exactly like this. <laughs> and I don't think that's happening. But there's still yeah. people playing blues. There's still blues clubs, you know, right. so uh, there's a big difference there. There are people making orchestrally minded music in a rock. Yeah, tent. but I don't think it's... But it's not there. Yeah, I don't think it's like this, yeah, though. Yeah, no, right. no. Uh, so, after all that, in... The Rolling Stone list. This was number forty out of five hundred. Yeah, and we don't really say was Colin Larkin sound logic, but he put it at twelve. <laughs> twelve, is, <laughs> and I just thought I, yeah. I thought I'd throw that in there as well. But um, twelve is way too high, I think. Uh, <laughs> you think so? Yeah, I, I'm. So I feel somewhat similar to a couple albums ago where we listened to all that Muddy Waters music. Um, I'm really glad I got the chance to listen to this album. I'm glad I got the, the chance to go through a whole bunch of Muddy's, Muddy Waters music. I don't think I'm going to be clamoring for this music anytime soon. 
and I don't think it needs to be at this spot on the list. I I expected something, you know, with a, a bit more name brand recognition, I guess, at this point on the list. A little bit more popular sure, yep. kind, of, kind of vibe. And I think something that's a bit more... Ah, boy, I know there's going to be lots of really hardcore music fans who don't like to hear me say this, but when something is a little bit more obscure like this, I don't think it deserves to be quite so high on the list, even if it is a great album. Um, mm. And so I think mm. for me, it, it actually could go down a little bit more. I'm fine, I guess, with it here. Uh, there's stuff that has come <laughs> already on the list that I, I think should go below it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think this needs to be as high as it is. Even, even as I say that, I, I, I acknowledge and, and recognize that I enjoyed it and it's good. And I'm glad that I got to listen to it at number 40. I, I would, I would echo a lot of that. <laughs> I think that it, makes sense here if you read through the list of people who voted uh you know pull out your coffee table book that has all the people and how many people made music at this time wrote about music at this time grew up at this time uh made music the next decade that would have been directly influenced and i feel like this was a very important album uh in the music industry and around the people who were close to it at the time and in the next decade uh-huh. uh, and I think there was a, a certain group of people who would have, you know, kept this album very close to them. So that at least gives an explanation as to why it's so high. I am with you. I wouldn't put it, have put it quite. I, I would have had no problem with this anywhere between 60 and 100 or any 60 or lower anywhere. Because to me, it wouldn't have really mattered. I would have come ac- across it. It would have been nothing I'd ever heard before. Still one, like I said, that hasn't even hit a million uh, copies sold. Right. And not that that's the be all end all, but right. I mean, it says that it just hasn't touched as many people. So how do you put that against some of the other albums that we're still going to talk about scads of albums that yeah. have been very successful? Yeah. How does this get there? So I'm with you. I really, really liked it a lot. It was great music. I'm glad I heard it. I can see the influence. Um, but I'm just not sure that it should be quite this high. And maybe there's people, you know, who grew up on this or who may who have been making music for 50 years saying, oh, come on, you know, everybody in the studio always had this on or we did this in the 70s. It had to do with this or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard those stories yet. And I'm not saying they're not out there, but um, I just, yeah, it seems for, for some of the really, again, I hate to use the word popular so much, but some of the really popular and successful stuff that we haven't listened to yet, see this being a little high right hats off to you uh love the band uh, for being up here and for right. being number 12 in the in the <laughs> top thousand like that's you know that's pretty impressive but all in all um it was enjoyable i i i had a lot of fun i had a lot of fun with this over the last week listening to it fairly intensely getting to the point where i was familiar with a lot of it and still, from time to time, being surprised by something I heard. Because, uh, like I said, there's a lot going on. And if you haven't heard of this, uh, haven't listened to this, which is probably most of our listeners, um, take the time to go check it out. It is very good. And, and it might be something that you find surprising like we did. Absolutely. At the very least, it's interesting music. And it's not, For sure. it's not boring. For sure. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. On another sad note, 
this is the only time we're going to talk about love. <laughs> there are no other entries on the top 500 list. So that's it. Yeah. One one and done. I guess if you're going to be on the list, uh 40 not a bad number to crack. No, that's all right. That's all right. There's an interesting concert from not too long ago, last couple decades of sort of a uh, remaining living artists from the band um, performing oh, okay. all these songs. Uh, they're kind of interesting to see them do that now. But, um, yeah, that's, that's maybe worth checking out if you're interested in going a little deeper into this band. From 2003, is that the one? I think that's right. We do have another album coming up at number 41, but um, getting to the end of another decade, so to speak, is uh, an exciting moment. I, I've really grown to love our re-ranking episodes. And, uh, you know, even before we get to whatever comes up next, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing some uh, shuffling of our own here in the next episode. That's right. You usually remind me of that, that I announce the next album, then you say, hold on, where do we go? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so next time, next time we're going to, we're going to go back through the last 10 albums and re-rank them. And, and th- you know what, that has been a lot of fun. And uh, I think it's something that our listeners have really enjoyed. We see them tuning in for that a lot of times uh, to kind of see, you know, it's a fun review and to kind of see uh what we really thought of the last 10 and where they go. And if any of them uh, cracked our all time top 10 and it's interesting as we get further, further along in this list, we might have less and less albums getting placed up there, but we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. So until that time, all of you at home listening, uh, please take care of yourself. All the best to you. And Ben, we will talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Glad we made it to 40. Woohoo! Here we go. <laughs> Here's to another 40. Absolutely. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.